Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Star Trek MTT, Megan's Top 20. I love doing that. Uh, I'm going to kick your ass still. Uh, this is Eric. This is Megan. Uh, it's been a bit since we've been here. Uh, life got in the way. We're not going to tell you the specifics. Just know that things are changing right now. In fact, we're kind of trying to sneak this and our rock starring podcast in under the... Uh, under the wire of some bigger stuff that's happening. But again, according to our, our analytics, we don't have anybody listening to our podcast. It's not like we're holding anybody up. This no. is mainly just for us to have fun. Yeah. Gives us an excuse to watch great episodes like the one we watched today. Yeah. Um, Drumhead, mm -hmm. which is one of the most famous episodes of Star Trek. It's right up there with In the Pale Moonlight on DS9. It's up there with uh, 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 Roger Man. Yeah. In the first two seasons of Next Generation. The trial episode, huh? Yeah, it's also, it's up there with, um, what's it called? Uh, the the Menagerie, I think is the two-parter. Oh, yeah, the Menagerie. That's fairly good. It's another good. trial episode yeah. in the original series. I'm actually surprised more original series episodes haven't shown up yet. Uh, it's really hard to pick. I know, I know. I'm not trying to pressure you. I'm there's just... so many limited slots, and there's so many that I want. And... I'm just surprised, because I know the two that you really seem to glom onto were DS9 and the original series, and although we have had episodes of both, a lot of episodes of DS9, yeah. uh, I haven't seen as many of the original series as I was expecting. And I'm not complaining. I know it's hard. I'm just surprised. Okay. Um... I'm so we, sure at least one or two more is going to show up. Oh, I'm sure. We're I don't a, even know how many spaces I have left. We're on, This is episode 14 of these, so you've so got I only six, have six. Shit. Yeah, you're going to have to start narrowing down the, the last few. Uh, but anyway... I uh, already have the next one, so we're fine. That's good. Uh, so we, uh, we picked... Well, Megan picked Drumhead. Yeah. Uh, as usual, I saw this more or less when it came out, although I did not understand how important it was when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, what th this episode is talking about. But it does have one of the most awesome speeches of Picard ever. Yeah. So I, I, I noticed that. Patrick Stewart sold the fuck out of it. Mm -hmm. And Megan saw it when I took her through Star Trek, and apparently she really loved it. Otherwise, she wouldn't have picked it. Yeah. We actually talked about it a couple times throughout this podcast yeah. by accident. <laughs> yeah, we brought it up more than once, mainly because we just we really love the messaging and we love the acting. Everything in this is solid. They actually mentioned the... The, the minor plot in Data's day in yeah. this episode, and that was... The Romulan plot. Yeah, the Romulan plot. Um, and that was... Unintentional. That was unintentional that. because I forgot about that. This is actually one of the, the linchpin episodes because it brings in a lot... I mean, it doesn't set anything up, really, but it does bring back a lot... It reminds the audience of a lot of important things that have happened. It, it reminds people of what happened so far, and it also is setting up for what happens later. Yeah, in Redemption, which is yeah. the season finale. Yeah. Uh, the most... Yeah, this one references what happened in... Uh, Reunion, mm -hmm. which is the episode where Warp's brother shows up and he gets discommendation from the Klingons. It yeah. reminds people of Best of Both Worlds and yeah. Family. Uh, it reminds people of Conspiracy. Yeah. I actually looked it up. That's actually what happened. But we'll, we'll get to all that at the appropriate time. We'll go ahead and start off that I, I did remember this episode immediately based on the opening log because it mentions a, uh, a, a Klingon who might be smuggling information to the Romulans. Yeah. But I thought this actually opened with what the scene we see later where the, the warp core goes. Because I thought that would be a really exciting opening yeah. for this episode where, you know, 
uh, Jory screaming, Cooler League, we have a Cooler League, you know, and all that stuff, and then hard cut to later, but apparently they, they completely skipped over that. No, they went straight to the interrogation. I just misremembered, which really surprised me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, but it, I also, Eric's just such a loser. <laughs> I also kind of like it because it throws you in the middle of it without yeah. realizing what all this is happening. I mean, it's very rare to see an interrogation scene at all on the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, it's really strange to just be thrown into this. Um, uh, so the, the Deanna and Riker, uh, and I actually love this because Deanna and Riker are interviewing, uh, Klingon, Jadon. Yeah. And, uh, they believe that he has been stealing blueprints of the, uh, the Enterprise, specifically their warp core. Yeah. And selling it or giving it to the Romulans. Yeah. And they're not sure how he's doing it, but they're pretty sure it's him. Yeah. And the part I like is that later... The two people that are interviewing him are um, Riker, who's doing the actual interrogation, and Deanna, who uses her Betazoid abilities to sense that he's closed off and hiding something. Yeah. And then later in the same episode, Riker is the one who's defending everybody on, in their yeah, interrogations. Yeah, he's a defense lawyer. In their interrogations. And Picard specifically says that he pro- is, is scolding Admiral Sati for using her Betazoid Betazoid to interrogate people. And then he's, he even says that the... He should reevaluate that, that, those that, actions. Those actions. Because there's a good chance he might be overstepping his bounds. He might be... Which I am going to ask you about when we get there what your opinion of it is, but we'll hold yeah. off until we actually get to yeah. that part of the discussion. Uh, one thing I have to say that watching Star Trek with Megan has done is make me very, very aware of people's outfits. Something I rarely ever pay oh, attention yeah, to. Oh, yeah, costuming. Yeah, what the fuck is up with J. Don's costume? It looks so weird. It is a little weird. It doesn't look looks, like normal Klingon. It looks like what a 1950s Western would put a Native American in. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I'm not sure why. Yeah, Eric never noticed the uniform changes in anything, and uh, I pointed it out immediately. <laughs> yeah, I never even noticed Skirt Guy in the first episode. Oh, you fell in love fucking with. Skirt Guy is legendary. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I'm a... I was a doofus, but I, having now noticed it, I'm like... That is a weird outfit to put a Klingon in. I think it was just to... Because they were trying... Because he was there under... He's supposed to be a scientist. He's supposed to be a scientist, so maybe they just were trying... It was part of his bohemian disguise, you know? Maybe. I don't know. It just looked weird. (laughs) It looked weird, but I I think that's... I mean, honestly, they probably just found a costume that looked vaguely... Alien? Alien and put it on him. Probably. Um... (laughs) Uh, so they, they call in Admiral Satie, who apparently was instrumental in investigating the alien attempted takeover of Starfleet three years earlier, mm-hmm. which is really weird because they must be referring to Conspiracy, which yeah. is an episode I doubt we'll ever see on this list. No. But it, is, it, is, it is a fun, very weird story. It's a weird episode. It feels like a season arc in one episode. It feels like a charmed episode almost. It feels like a season arc of a different sci-fi show. Yeah. Like it should be in like Babylon 5 or Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> not, you know, much darker series. Not, not the first, not Star Trek. Not, and fun. not as one episode in Star Trek. Well, technically, it was set up in one episode earlier. Yeah, but so it like was, one and a half. It's not really. 
It's like two episodes overall. But... Megan and I were saying if they were going to go for the dark tone they did in Picard, what they should have done was... Continued pick, yeah, conspiracy. Continued conspiracy, because Picard had a direct connection yeah. with what happened in those events, so he would know. And even the, the outlawing of um, AIs would make more sense in that particular story, because they can't control AIs. And obviously no. they were on the verge of creating many of mass amounts of them at, based on Data's and B4's blueprints. Yeah. But we're rewriting Picard again, and it's yeah. already done. it's done. We, we can't do anything about it. We can't do anything about it. It's been recorded and released to the masses, and our eyeballs saw it. I'm not sure if uh, mm -hmm. we recorded the last episode of Star Trek MTT after the finale of Discovery, or if we did, we can we commented on it. But we have to say, Discovery Season 3 did impress us both. Like, yeah. to the point that I'm actually excited to see Season 4. It had problems, especially yeah. the first and last episode has some issues that I'm yeah, very angry about. Yeah, the finale had... Some good, great bits, actually. Yeah, great some stuff. Great but stuff. Small but it also had some stuff we weren't happy about. For the record, the thing that really bugs me is the the mag pseudo magic quality of yeah, that one. Yeah, it's very magic. Of that one kid connection They're to like, uh, all the lithium in the universe, <laughs> and although I can I can accept that because there is a pseudo science magic quality to a lot of sci uh, Star Trek. But, uh, but the thing that really bugs me is that uh, uh, what's her name, the main character. Oh, Michael, Burnham. Michael Burnham. Michael Burnham blows up a ship full of uh, a green emerald chain people yeah. after specifically beaming off the ones that are on her ship when she didn't have to do that. There's no reason to. No. It just, she just does it because she can. The ship was disabled and then they just blew it up. Yeah, well, not only that, they were gonna they were gonna jump out. They didn't yeah. need to, to. If they needed to blow it open to get out, I'd understand, but they didn't. They just jumped. Yeah. So and it wasn't like they were that ship was going to go with them. At least that wasn't the implication I got. No, so. they, they, like, and conveniently the they one they didn't have they didn't say oh under these circumstances we can't use the spore drive and we're trapped inside we got to blow our way out. No, they didn't use that excuse for once. And conveniently the one nice guy who happens to be a human that we've seen is a human scientist who was working for the Emerald Chain doesn't get beamed off the ship just because of the way Michael Burnham happened to phrase it. It's 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 a one lump, in, bad lump in a really good stew. Because the rest of that episode is really good. Yeah. But anyway, we're getting off topic. The reason I bring it up is it would if the reason I bring that up is if Picard manages to shift the way Discovery does, I might actually look forward to season two of it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, this was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Uh, which is great. I'm not sure which movie, which episode this was of his, but it's a good one. Yeah. He should be proud of it. Um, oh, after Jadon gets interrogated, he gets escorted back by Worf, and Worf, and this is where the events of uh, Reunion are mentioned, because, you know, Worf's name is not spoken of on the homeworld, and Jadon tries to basically bribe Worf with his honor. Which we're like, you can't bribe Worf with honor. There's no honor in bribing somebody for honor. Well, here's the thing. I think Jadon's plan would have worked if it wasn't Worf. If it was just another Klingon, because yeah. a lot of Klingons... Well, Duras is definitely among the worst. Yeah. Most Klingons engage in false honor, just the yeah. appearance of having done something amazing as opposed to actually doing it. Yeah. Worf actually wants to earn the respect he gets. Yeah. That's part of the problem of why he doesn't fit in with other Klingons so much. Yeah. He's that one Klingon just that's just different. <laughs> so they call him Admiral Sati, who I guess after they inconspiracy... In conspiracy in conspiracy after they blow up that one guy's head and kill the mother creature that subsequently kills all the alien creatures 
they apparently had an investigation and Emerald Sati did a good job hunting down the remnants of them. I don't know. It's, I don't know what was that. It's just touched on. And then... Um, it's not explained in any way. She, I can't believe of all things they were going to, like... They brought back conspiracy. They mentioned conspiracy, an episode that they completely forgotten every other way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she wants to get started as soon as she's on the, the ship. Yeah. So uh, she goes to the engine room to find out what's going on. And this is where we finally get the information about what they were concerned about, which is that the warp core nearly breached. Yeah. The, uh, con- the, the base dilithium crystal chamber, its door burst. Yeah. And um, the interior frame collapsed, and it caused... You know, the, the, the gas leakage and the sound effects. Luckily, and the, radiation. And radiation leakage. Luckily, the interior door apparently slammed down fast enough yeah. to contain whatever was leaked. And then, leaked. It, then the, um, what is it, the, the the door is also shut. Yeah, the, the exterior door. Yeah, the there's exterior. interior locked doors. This is the only mention of it, but apparently yeah. there's interior uh, containment doors, and then there's outer containment yeah. doors. And the outer containment doors are the ones that... Uh, 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 LeVar Burton does that awesome roll under in Generations where he dives and rolls like, directly oh. under them and then stops and looks back like right when he's finished rolling. It's a great shot. Um, but that's the outer doors. The inner yeah. doors, apparently there is an inner door, but it ra- rarely is there ever enough time for the inner door to drop to contain most of the radiation and damage. Yeah. This time there was. Um, so there was two injured crewmen. They were had suffered from radiation burns, but, but nobody, died, nobody died. Which is good. I actually wonder, there's a lot of points in this story where I'm like, I wonder how much worse this might have gotten if someone had, if this had happened. And if someone had died from this, I wonder how much more Picard might have been willing to go along with it. How many other people would have been willing to go along with it? The thing is, like, the way she, they actually picked a pretty good actress for this part. Mm -hmm. Because the way she phrases it, it almost sounds reasonable. But seeing as we're seeing it for more Picard's point of view, we see how sinister kind of is well the important thing and one of the reasons i brought up the the Riker and deanna thing at the start is that there is a need to investigate these things there is a need to protect yourself but this entire story is about the balance between security and freedom it's a balance that every country every nation every ideology has to deal with yeah and in this case if you're scared enough, you'll lean heavily in security's direction yeah. without meaning to. Um, I mean, it's a discussion that they did in Captain America, the they, Winter Soldier. Yeah, they've done it in a lot of things. They've done it in a lot of things. We still don't seem to want to learn the lesson, but uh, in any event, uh, there's more Romulan plotting, because it's revealed, I think it's around now is when Worf puts together that how Jadon has been um, doing yeah, his the, thing is that he's been taking, while he's been getting his injections, he's been going over to the ship's systems, plugging an isolidia reader that's attached to his his hypospray in. Yeah. And then he injects that in, to download information. Then he injects that into somebody, either himself or someone else. Yeah. And that person then has uh, uh, computer information encoded as dead proteins in their genetic structure yeah. that can then be read later in another as computer. Information. As information. Um... I, I like the Klingon Romulan setup because this is a, I checked and this is after Kalar is killed. This yeah. is after it's revealed that the Dura, okay. after Gower the thing, but sisters. before the Dura sisters yeah, show before up. Yeah, before the Dura. Okay, so I they was, show up till reunion. Yeah, that. I, yeah, I was assuming that this was either this season final finale 
It's this season. It's this season's finale is the one okay. with redemption. Okay, so that's what I was thinking. Which is like five episodes or so after this one. This See, episode. I don't remember what order like the episodes are in. I, I, I know, but I, I checked yeah. on IMDb, and it's the finale is the redemption where yeah. the Dura sisters show up. I think. Yeah. I, I know they show up in that episode. I don't know if it's their first appearance. I think yeah. it is. And then Duras, the asshole guy, was killed a few episodes earlier after he killed Kalar, yeah. the mother of Worf's child, uh, of Alexander. And so, uh, but in both of those cases, we see a growing bond between a subset of the Klingon Empire mm -hmm. and the Romulans. Uh, and this is yet another step in that direction, that there is a group of Klingons that think Romulans are... A stronger ally. A stronger ally. Basically, they want to make Kronos strong again, which yeah. is another creepy aspect to this. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, trust me. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Enterprise's pilot did the exact same scheme of computer information encoded in genetics. So this is, yeah, this is something we see more than once in Star Trek. Yeah, I'm actually not sure. What was the name of the Klingon in that one? I don't remember. Korg? Korg or something like that? Uh, anyway. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. So, I, I don't remember much of Enterprise, especially in the first two seasons. But the uh, the Alliance, the guy, when, when they confront uh, Jadon with this... Uh, which, by the way, there's a there's no connection at all in, in regards to writing or anything like that. But I do think it was I kept flashing to this episode of Angel, yeah. where there's a vampire named Jadon. He kind of like he ran with the Rat Pack back in the day, and he's never really gotten over it. So an angel has to impersonate him. So the entire episode is like, hey, yo, there's two things you don't touch: the shades and the dew. And I just kept imagining that Klingon if <laughs> citing that particular what? character every time he was on. Yo, the Kling the Klingon Empire. Is in case you couldn't tell, totally we have... lame. You know what I mean? Yeah. In case you <laughs> couldn't tell, we were ADD. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's your proof right there. <laughs> uh, so, in any event, once he's finally confronted with the facts, uh, J. Don breaks down and says, "You know, Klingons have grown weak thanks to the Alliance," which is really funny because we just watched Undiscovered Country, yeah. where they made that exact same where argument. They made that very alliance. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, the the yeah. Klingon, the subset of Klingons that hated the Alliance with the uh, humans, it's made that so exact same argument. Inspired. Yeah, they're they're going to weaken our culture and make us weak, and like, no, they're not. <laughs> Peace doesn't make you weak. It makes you productive, in my opinion. <laughs> You can move on to other things. Um, uh, okay, um, this is after this is when Sati has a, a meeting with Picard in his room because they discovered how Jadon was, uh, you know, smuggling information out, yeah. and they've basically gotten him to admit that he was doing it. But they and there was evidence. Just so we're clear, there yeah. was evidence earlier before the investigation that some of their blueprints had ended up in. Klingon hands, and this guy was the most likely culprit. Yeah. It wasn't based on hearsay. It wasn't based on rumor. It was based on solid evidence. They just couldn't prove it was him, and they were investigating to see if it was. Yeah. That's important regarding Tarsus later. Yeah. But anyway, uh, well, during their um, their interviews, mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they when they interview Jadon, they find that he admits that he was smuggling information out, yeah. but he doesn't admit to nearly blowing up the Enterprise. Yeah, he didn't sabotage the warp core. Which means that, and, and the Betazoid guy confirms that, which means that there might be more conspirators. Mm -hmm. So they start interviewing other people that had direct con uh, interaction with Jadon, uh, mostly through the medical staff. Yeah. 
and this is when they find uh, Simon Tarses. Now, just before this event, because we'll get to Tarses in a second, because we have a lot to say about him. Yeah. Um, there's a scene with Satie and Picard, and Satie, believing Picard to be more or less exactly like her, yeah, lets down her guard a bit and talks extensively about how much her father means to her, and how happy she is to have uh, beaten her brothers in debates when she was a kid. Yeah. It also is, she says something along the lines of, I hate lopsided partnerships. Because she doesn't like being assigned with Picard. No. Because she believes most partnerships are lopsided. Yeah. I love that that is said within a minute or two of the, the Klingon alliance with the Federation is making Klingons weak. Yeah. Because it's the exact same argument. Granted, she's talking personally, but I believe that that's subtly meant to also extend to her belief in the Federation. Yeah. That because she talks extensively about the Federation and it's a glorious, amazing thing. Shortly almost after like this, it's an empire. Which, almost like it's a shining city on a hill, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which so. I mean, technically, but it's a Federation. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I'm drawing yeah. from that famous yeah. quote that Republicans love using. Yeah. America's the shining city on a hill. No, uh, we're a fucking dump on a hill. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I, I think we have a lot of potential. We just are keep dumb. Not doing it. <laughs> Which really bothers me. <laughs> uh, and, and declaring victory on what you have not achieved is just annoying. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Worf on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't declare victory until you've actually won. Yeah. But in any event, what I was getting at here is the idea that um, she doesn't like lopsided partnerships. And then she talks about the Federation. And I honestly believe she thinks that maybe not necessarily the Klingons, but any partnership with another empire or another consortium or another dominion. Yeah. will never work out for the Federation. They will always be the one putting in more than they are receiving. Mm-hmm. It's not about merging and becoming stronger together. It's about we're already awesome and they just want to leech off us. Mm-hmm. In my head. That's how it is. I also like that she is more about enjoying winning debates than being right. That's what made her proud when she was a little girl, that she won the debates with her brothers. Not, not that, that, that she, she was... Not that she was correct in Not that she was able to think deeper or more... It's that she, she she just won. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a com- again a point for later. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also doesn't like having people that are equals. No. She mentions early, She mentions later that she has no friends, which is funny. But she also <laughs> mentions here the way she said it was funny too. Yeah, she also mentions here that she just didn't like having to be. She prefers the company of. She doesn't like having to share the stage yeah. with anyone else because if she knows something goes wrong, she knows who to blame. Yeah. But I actually think it's just she doesn't like anyone else to call her out on her shit. Yeah. I mean, up till now, she's been fighting on the That's side. That's probably of the... why she doesn't have any friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, here's the thing the, the good thing about this that they mention is that she has done a lot of good. Yeah. A lot of good has been done by her, but that doesn't mean she's a good person. No. It just means that she's, she's on doing the side it of the for, angels. She's doing it for her own personal gain. It's the equivalent of nationalism combined with ego. Because mm-hmm. she's doing it to protect the Federation because she believes it's nothing but perfect. Yeah. And let's be honest, the Federation is as close to perfect as you can get with a society, but it's still got issues. Even I'll admit that. Even in Next Generation. Yeah. It had issues. It doesn't I mean, have we, as many as Picard be... makes it out to, but it does have issues. I mean, look at this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Um, although this is supposed to be a person who is an outlier, not the fucking system. <laughs> yeah, although she does have an awful lot of power for quite a while. Yeah. So we'll get there. Uh, so then we have a scene with Worf on the Betazoid guy, and they're debating out who what uh, what Tars is or some other people might be doing. 
And the Babezoid guy basically says, look, I wasn't sure about you because your father worked with Romulans, you know, based on the events of uh, Reunion. Your father was accused of working with the Romulans, and you accepted that, and that was obviously made you a, in my opinion, would have made you a security risk, but you've proven yourself to me and the Admiral you don't have anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. Or the ambassador. Is she an ambassador or an admiral? Do you remember? She's an admiral. Admiral Satie, okay. Um, and I like... One of the many bad admirals. <laughs> here's the thing I like about that. And again, I might be reading way too much into this episode, but it's great. Mm-hmm. Worf, quote-unquote, failed to prove himself to the Klingon leadership. Yeah. He didn't. They all know he, his father didn't do what he said he did. But according to Klingon culture, as mentioned earlier by Jadon, they don't talk about it. He's been forgotten and completely ignored by his people. He has failed to prove himself to the Klingons. However, he still has a chance to prove himself to the Federation. Mm -hmm. The Admiral is a legendary seeker of, quote-unquote, truth. And justice. And justice. And she is willing to... She is her second, her security chief, basically, the Betazoid guy, basically just paid Worf a huge compliment. Yeah. And the idea is that Worf, Worf, for the record... At the end of, say, DS9, would make an excellent head of Starfleet security. Mm. But right here, he's still a little too racist <laughs> against Romulans and a little too eager to prove himself to the wrong people. It is honestly lucky Worf got Picard as his captain. Yeah. And that Picard was always there for him as much as he was. Because yeah. Worf could have walked down a very dark path if he mm. wanted to, based on where he started. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, now we get Simon Tarsis, and I'm going to let Megan talk about Simon Tarsis for a bit because she and I both love him, but I think she probably loves him more. Well, it, it I just, he's just a sweet character that doesn't get, we sadly don't see him again after this episode. And, and we totally deserve to because he's this kid, because we find out through the course of the episode when they, when they first um, when they first interrogate him, he says that his paternal grandfather was Vulcan, which we find out later is the lie that he is hiding, which is what was terrifying him. Actually kind of comes back with in DS9 with Dr. Bashir and his own application thing. But um, he lied on his application, which is going to put his career in jeopardy, and that's why he was so afraid. And, he, and what we see throughout the episode, he's not a dangerous person. He just happened to have the wrong grandfather, which is unfair. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he... We, we'd hoped... Like, it, you see a character like this with so much potential and you wish he would come back, but he never does. And we personally felt like he would have been great for, like, Voyager. <laughs> yeah, we, we argue that what should have yeah. happened... We might have mentioned this in our Voyager episodes. I don't Maybe. know. But we thought remember. what should have happened with him was... Because he was wanted to be in medical staff and because he did have medical training, he eventually joined the Maquis, not as a fighter, but as just a medic. He would go along with uh, Chakotay's crew and scan and heal them. He also would treat the Cardassians if they were captured or anything like that on, on those grounds. And Chakotay was fine with it, that he wouldn't raise a phaser. He was just there as a medic. He was just there to heal. And then he gets caught in the same wave as the rest of the ship does and ends up in the Delta Quadrant. Now... I would have loved that because it would have been great to have a, a quarter Romulan on the crew because he could have mentioned about those Romulan heritage because mm. the Romulans got stiffed majorly in Voyager. They got two episodes, and that's it. I mean, they're really good episodes, yeah. but still. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 
It also would have been nice. I, I think they should have had Tuvok never trust, not at the start, not trust Simon Tarsis, and it's not clear He's, why. And then later it's because it turns out Tuvok has a predisposition, kind of like uh, Sati does here, yeah. to distrust Romulans. Yeah. And he has to work through that as a character, realizing his own I mean, it's clear that Simon probably doesn't celebrate too much of his heritage. But he could have looked into it. He probably looked into it, but he never celebrated it too much because it was clear it's clear that his parents were both one of them was clearly half human half human and the other one was also human. Yeah. So I know, just, but it's still they could have justified it. They could have justified it, but it's just like it was this poor character <laughs> goes through so much. Now apparently he has shown up in a lot of non canon work. Uh, mm-hmm. He's in the novel Sins of Commission. Mm-hmm. Tarsis comes to terms with his Romulan heritage when the Enterprise D encounters a telepathic aliens from the planet Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Star Trek Next Generation novel Infiltrator, mentions that Tarsis' career was over as a result of lying about his bloodlines. Uh, apparently, in Starship Ship Creator and later novels, uh, ignore this reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the computer records state in Starship Ship Creator that he is the son of. Maria and Tarvik Tarsis and was born in the Martian colonies uh, with his brother named Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Lieutenant Tarsis appeared in the novel Do Comet's Dream when he becomes romantically involved with a Thanation helping, after helping save her world. In the pocket DS9 two-part relaunch novel Avatar, mm. uh, Simon Tarsis is assigned to DS9 under Julian Bashir. Oh, that would have been fun. <laughs> it leaves him in charge of the station's infirmary while Bashir conducts a three-month mission in the Gamma Quadrant. Mm. Uh, he appears in another deep space novel, Warpath, where he develops an innovative treatment for involving nanotechnology. Uh, Tarsis... Oh, uh, according to the Star Trek Destiny novel, Gods of Night, Tarsis was assigned as chief medical officer on the USS Aventine under Captain Esri Dax. Ah! Um... And then there's a couple other references to him. Apparently nothing in Star Trek Online, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Um, now, this is all technically non-canon stuff, but still, you can... You, what there's, I like, more, there's more Earth to be tilled with this character is what we're getting at. There's yeah. more that could have grown out of this particular yeah. character. Not only that, but I, I feel like you take... You extrapolate what you want from... Mm-hmm. You, even if so, even if the creators of the show are like, oh, this stuff's not canon, you don't have... You don't need to accept it. I still like, oh, if I like something, I'll keep it. And if I don't like something, I'll fucking ignore it. Yeah, well, okay. One thing that would have been true is if he was in Voyager, they probably would have pulled the same thing they did with... Um, the Vulcan engineer and Tom Paris, which is to hire him as the same character, playing basically the exact same character, the same <laughs> actor, but call him something different. Yeah, so they uh, wouldn't have to pay royalties. So it probably wouldn't have been Simon Tarsis, even if he was on Voyager. Which is still stupid. Which is stupid, but that's one thing. The other thing that would have been, we also thought he would have made a great addition to Picard's crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Picard, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because their medical officer was a hologram, which one we've already seen, and two they tried to make this cute thing where all the holograms were mirrors of the captain guy, and he With does different okay, personalities. Well, mainly just different accents. <laughs> I want to clarify: I'm not trying to knock the guy. He does a fine job. It's just it would have been more fun if they needed a medical officer, and the captain was like, "I never needed one. I just because he's like I I leave the scars or whatever." And then um, yeah. Picard's like, "Well, I need a medical officer, but luckily I know somebody who's free." And then Simon Tarsis gets beamed up. Yeah. 
And, you know, like, him and Picard have stayed in touch. We just wish this character got flushed out more. A little bit more. It would have been, been a nice addition to the Picard cast. Yeah. Um, especially since he was yet another broken character that made a mistake, but wasn't, like, a mistake where he got someone killed. No. <laughs> Which is what the rest of Picard's crew did. <laughs> some of them straight up murdered somebody. Yeah. But they felt bad about it afterwards. They felt bad about it, so therefore they they're completely redeemed. They were suffering the effects of... Of, of murder. A, of a mind meld, okay? <laughs> you can't blame them. If you're gonna give if you're gonna give Tuvok a pass for not killing people <laughs> but wanting to. <laughs> yeah, because you know intrusive thoughts, that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a difference between thinking about killing people and actually fucking killing people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in this one, uh, then after the conversation with Simon Tarsis, who's acting all nervous, which is another thing you like as characters that act less perfect. Yeah, I like nervous characters. I uh, like characters who talk too much or don't talk that well or or just... It sounds weird. The actor does a good job with it, too. He he sells it just enough that he's clearly nervous about being caught in a lie, but not that he's villainous on any level. Yeah. But in any event, um, basically after... characters that seem like they would relate to me, yeah. <laughs> we'll just say that. So Simon Tarsis uh, is the Betazoid guy says Simon Tarsis is lying about something, and Admiral Sati pushes Picard to restrict his actions on the the Starship Enterprise while they're investigating it. Mm-hmm. And Picard is like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I'm just not. There's no evidence. It's just yeah. that guy's word. And she goes, Well, if you're don't you use Deanna Troy in your negotiations and interrogations occasionally, but I wouldn't stop anything. I wouldn't hold anyone based on her recommendations. She goes, really? If she told you there was someone hiding something that was potentially dangerous, you wouldn't restrict that person's movements. And Picard goes, okay, I admit I probably would, and I should probably reevaluate that action. Which is, I like that Picard can admit when he might have gone too far and he wasn't realizing it. Yeah. Because it isn't about justifying your position, it's about realizing where your line should be. Yeah. Because we all make steps we don't realize. And then we make steps that are called out to us. And we all do stuff that is just... A little too far. One thing I love about Admiral Sati is that she is an expert at pushing the line just a little bit further. It's not like she came out and said we should do this. It's just she didn't a little come. Bit further, she didn't jump further. on the ship and then say, "Picard, you did all this. Yeah. You're the bad guy." And well, then even talking <laughs> to Picard, like she, her, her arguments against Picard should limit this guy's actions are good points. if you assume he's a bad guy, and then later when they're trying to push uh, to stop after the scene I'm about to describe, they're trying they're trying to stop the investigation. Picard is. She goes, well, we should do it just to, we should finish the investigation only to prove Tarsi's innocence. And he's like, well, no, he's already innocent. And she goes, yes, yes, what we mean is we should verify those actions. Yeah. Like, she's good at just moving the line just a little bit further each time she talks to him. Not mm-hmm. a lot, but just enough to irk him, but not make him stop. Yeah. Which is how a lot of propagandists work. Mm. Um, but I like that Picard can admit failure. Uh, I also think this is a great example of how the Federation can be the bad guys. Yeah. But they have to realize it and it has to be presented in that fashion. they got to be shown that, hey, this is bad. Yeah, and unfortunately in Picard, we That feel this like, is an outlier, not an actual fucking rule. Yeah, and in Picard, it feels very much like the whole of the Federation pretty much except and Picard. Picard is the outlier yeah. for being, you know, a decent human being. For, you know... Ugh. 
there's so many problems with the first season of Picard. Tell me about it. So uh, what they get after the conversation with, uh, before the Simon Tarsis, we should stop the investigation thing, the reason that comes up is because it turns out that with Data and Geordi continuing their research, they discover that it was actually an accident. Or yeah. at least their, their best guess is that it was just an accident. There was a minor default that was undetectable in the door, and over time, the neutron radiation wore it down until it burst. Yep. And once it burst, the safeties kicked in. Yeah. Now, uh, before this, they had no evidence to support a, an accident. No. And all evidence they did have, all deductive reasoning they had, like the scans and all that stuff, indicated that it was likely sabotage. Because it's it's something that do, has never really... It's a breach that hasn't happened that way before. Supposedly. Well, at least not in, in, on the Enterprise. At least not on the Enterprise. And it's very, very rare to have a defect that's undetectable because their scans yeah. are so good. I'm sure yeah. it happens, but it's a very rare thing. Yes. And it would have been over time that this would have built up, because he literally says it would have been when the door was replaced probably at their last service at McKinley, which could have been years ago. Yeah. So this is a, an extremely rare set of circumstances that just happened. Which is why they continued the investigation after they had identified J. Don as the guy who was smuggling, but not the one who destroyed it. However, now they have evidence that says there was no sabotage. So therefore, it's probably he was working alone. Yeah, most likely he was working alone. But Sati has seen her thing. And one thing I liked about this is that all Sati and, Sati and her Betazoid guy lay all of their cards on betting on Simon Tarsis as the bad guy. Yeah. When they, when, when she, if, if she had known about this earlier, she probably wouldn't have pursued it. Yeah. But because she showed her hand yeah. regarding Simon Tarsis and she was convinced at the time that he was the threat, she has laid a lot of her personal, like, clout yeah. on this investigation, which means if it doesn't bear fruit, she looks bad. Yeah. So even though the Federation, it turns out, is not at risk right now, she is. Yeah. And as far as she's concerned, without me to protect the Federation, it will collapse. So we have to prove The ironic guilty. thing is that if she had ended her investigation right here and there... Yeah, and just admitted that she was wrong, she's sorry, it would have done minimal damage to her career. Yep. Which is, again, another thing I think about. <sighs> but because she apparently knew how to play the game. Yeah. Probably she played herself. Mm -hmm. Boom. <sighs> Uh, so then they have a conversation. So it, the investigation here should be to determine guilt or innocence, not to confirm a bias, is what tr uh, Picard says when they're investigating Tarsis. Like, we're not here to confirm his guilt. He's already innocent. Yeah. We're here to find evidence that would support his guilt. Yeah. That's the point of an investigation. And the only reason I say that is because over the last few years of Trump, which, again, if you were listening to us, you probably know we're not huge Trump fans, there have been a lot of discussions of guilt, innocent until proven guilty as an excuse to not have an investigation at all. The thing is, there's been extensive uh, evidence. Yeah, the thing is, there's evidence to support... The difference here is that there's no evidence to support Simon Tarsis has anything to do with J, J. Don's smuggling. Yeah. And no evidence that there was a sabotage, which means there's no reason to go after him. But they're going to go after him anyway. Yeah. Now, yes, an investigation should approve, should assume innocence until proven guilty, but it doesn't mean you don't investigate no. if there's evidence to say they are guilty. You have to find out if it's true or not. Yeah. 
You just don't go in with that impression that they're guilty. Yeah. No matter how guilty they might look. Mm. Uh, and Simon Tarsius doesn't really look that guilty. Although he is guilty of something. He's guilty of lying. Yeah. There is no argument against that. He admits it. He even admits it, and he's mm-hmm. just... And he feels bad about it, but... So they... After pushing Picard to realize... To, to agree to this interview on Simon Tarsius, he shows up, and it turns out the next interview was with an open court. And her argument for this is, oh, the spies and saboteurs, they lo- they shrink in the light of, of, you know, the glare. And it, like, no. Basically, this is the Crucible, if, you know, you enjoy the Crucible, or if, you know, if it was, if it was good. <laughs> well, not only that, the, the point of this is, okay, the point of an open interview in an inquiry in this instance is yeah. meant to intimidate. Simon Tarsis yeah. was scared when it was just three people interviewing him. Yeah. Odds are he's going to say something he probably shouldn't, whether he's guilty he's or not. He's going to hang himself. Whether he's actually guilty or not of anything, he's yeah. going to say it. Yeah. Like, he might misspeak. Yeah. It's not because he's not, it's not because he's guilty, it's because he's scared. Yeah. Plus, putting it, the questions they ask, they literally lie to the to him about, it turns out, they, they claim that what happened to Which the, is something that cops do in real life. Yeah, they claim, claim that what happened to the, uh, the warp core was that a biological agent, which was taken from the medical bay, was used to dissolve it, which they know for a fact isn't true. Yeah. And here's the thing. Even, and then immediately after that, they ask him about his grandfather being Romulan. And that's when he has to say, I I can't answer on the grounds that may seek to incriminate me. Which means that everybody that's in that room... Which isn't just the command staff that can keep a secret if he's proved if he proves he's not guilty. Everybody on the ship knows. Everybody on the ship knows that not only did he lie on his entrance exam, but apparently there was a dissolving agent that came from. Like he looks so guilty to his fellow crew members. Yeah. That even at their best, they're still going to question it for the rest of his, yeah. their life. Like his career is over, even if he didn't lie. Yeah. And that's what she wanted. She wanted to pressure him to the point where he basically collapsed. And it's actually a good thing because Picard assigns Riker to be his defense attorney. Yeah. And as soon as that question comes up, Riker runs up and whispers in his ear. Yeah. And that's when he says, I, I'm not going to answer any more questions on the grounds they may seek to incriminate me. Because honestly, he would have said something unintentionally incriminating. Yeah. Um, but I am sorry that I talked over you regarding police, if you wish to continue that statement. I, I... Oh, no, it's pretty clear. This is a tactic that's used by policemen all the time. Mm-hmm. They lie in order to get you to confess to something that you may or may not have done. Yeah, you'll get a much better sentence if you just commit. If you just admit that you did it right now, right here, there's several movies and TV shows I've seen about this where they'll get a group of kids to admit, you know, kids that are caught in a bad situation that didn't yeah. necessarily do the crime they're accused of. They'll accuse, they'll convince them, if you just admit this much, then we'll lock you up, then you'll only get a slap on the wrist. And then they use that confession that they, because the kid's scared, they go, okay, I'll, I can take a slap on the wrist, and I, I did this, and then they'll later bring it up in court. See, they said they did that, so they must have done everything yeah. else. Yeah, I mean, there's actually a story of a woman, I don't know, she was apparently part of, like, I don't know if she was directly involved or she just happened to be there when a crime co- was committed. Um, and the, she was told, hey, if you just confess, you'll get a lighter sentence. But her friend, who was also there, said nothing. And she got a harsher sentence than the friend who said nothing. Yeah. Even though she was not, I think she was less involved in the crime. Yeah. And then there's the <laughs> whole, you know, public defenders things. They'll show up late. They'll push for, they'll push 
for you just to play down your confession because... They'll push for you to not get a lawyer. They'll push for you... Well, I'm just saying the public defender that shows up himself, that actual lawyer will often push for you just to admit it. Yeah. And I'll plead you down as opposed to even if you didn't do it. It's... it's Our justice system needs a massive... A lot of America needs a massive overhaul. We... (laughs) Yeah. And it's exhausting because very little of the people at the top who can make the difference seem to be motivated to do much. Yeah. Uh, So, anyway, um... Um, uh, so, like I said earlier, this is where Sati is pushing little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit. Just little steps. Uh, I think she knew Picard would absolutely not agree to an open court. No. So that's why she did it without his authority. Yeah. Which you can tell really irked him. And I think that was when she overplayed her hand, honestly. Yeah. He probably would have still insisted they stop after that, but that's when he knew. I think that's when he realized that she was She's not listening. on their side. Or she, at the very least it made him question her <laughs> yeah. real intentions here. Uh, and then he gets really pissed about the fact that she lied. She had her investigator lie, yeah. her interrogator, about the chemical agent. And yeah. she goes, ah, it's just a tactic to get him to catch him off guard. And I'm like, no, that was a lie. You, you're accusing him of a crime that literally all evidence says was never committed. Yeah. <laughs> it's the equivalent of trying to get a kid arrested for a broken shop window when you know for a fact that the brick that broke the window was blown by the wind. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, no, you know the kid didn't... It happened to ha- bounce off the building next door and fall through the window. Yeah, it was, the wind kicked up at exactly the right air, area, hit the, bri- hit the wall, broke the window, and then the kid just happened to be walking by when it happened. And you know that. So, and then you say, you t- how does it feel when you tied the note to that brick and threw it through the window? Yeah, like, I didn't throw a brick! Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, but to be fair, I mean, it's amazing how fast an, investiga- an investigation can become a witch hunt. Yeah. Because there's a great scene between Worf, where Worf is literally doing, like, the, the what's what are they called? The... the Witch finder general motion yeah. where he's like, you will. He's talking to a security team. Yeah. Investigate all of his past acquaintances, especially old school friends yeah. of Simon Tosses. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine Worf with one of those like curly hair pieces, <laughs> a wig. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. The yeah. old fashioned like lawyer law guys would wear that they thankfully don't make American judges wear. No, <laughs> they still wear them in England. Yeah. Just imagine that on Worf's head. <laughs> he's the rid he he's the the ridged head of security. <laughs> I'm gonna kick your ass one of these days. I really am. <laughs> so, there's a discussion between freedom and security, and Worf is basically saying Tarsis wouldn't be afraid of the truth if it wasn't something to be afraid of. And you know, Picard's like, we can't allow ourselves to think like that. No, we can't assume that just because he lied that he's guilty of a crime. You're allowed to lie. He's like, he lied about his parentage and uh, uh, his uh, paternal grandfather. He's like, that's not a crime. Not in the Federation. I do like that it's a different... It is a crime amongst the Klingons. Yeah, but it's not a crime in the Federation. Which really makes me wonder about that half-Romulan, half-Klingon girl that he pseudo-hooked up with in that one episode where he brought them all back to the Federation. I'm like, did no one ever scan her? Did no one ever notice her ears? Like, she's going to have a lot of issues. Did she not... Is she fine because she didn't lie? I, I don't know. Well, I just mean, like, the, if yeah. she, no matter where she goes, the Klingons or the Romulans are going to notice something. Yeah. And they're going to ask, wait, wait, why are you half the other people? Like, neither the Klingons nor the Romulans really like each other that much. Yeah. Um, 
So, but freedom versus security is a hard balance, but I like that Picard can tell this is not the balance we this should be striking. Not, this is not freedom or security. No. <laughs> this is oh, this is a drumhead. This is where Picard explains what a drumhead is. A drumhead trial. There was no appeals. Justice was swift, and it was severe. If you were sentenced to a drumhead trial, you were basically doomed. Yeah. And to be fair, drumhead trials, from what I understand, took place mainly on battlefields when guys would like derelictions of duty. When you know, if a guy falls asleep on his watch, he can get his entire unit killed. But also, to be fair, it's a drumhead trial, yeah. and a lot of guys were killed. <laughs> a lot of guys got bullets in the head for for making completely understandable human mistakes. I mean, yeah. it's a war situation, but it's also something that should never happen in a peacetime. No, I mean this is based heavily on like McCarthyism. Yeah. Fucking McCarthy. Ugh. Where the idea Yeah, that's that, why I mentioned The Crucible. Yeah. Because that was written during McCarthy era. Exactly. But I mean, like, according to IMDb, that's where the script idea came yeah. from, was the McCarthyism fear of communists taking things over, which it wasn't like there were no communist infiltrators throughout America during those years, but the number was significantly smaller and a lot less impactful. Honestly, they just used <laughs> it as a way to... Um, com- blacklist and convict a lot of people who were just... Slightly too different. Liberal with their ideals. <laughs> like actually believing in the freedoms that America's supposed to stand for. Yeah, this is also the time of the Hayes Code and all that shit. Yep. Um, <sighs> so then uh, Picard goes and talks to Simon Tarsis, where Simon Tarsis admits that he lied and that his career is over because of it. Yeah. I love the acting of this guy. He does. He's only in two episodes of Star Trek. He's in this and in Flesh and Blood, the Voyager episode, where he plays one of the holograms. But he's great in this. That yeah. one, he's kind of forgettable. He's outshadowed by the Doctor and the Bajoran hologram guy. But yeah. in this, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but he admits that he screwed up. He should have told the truth. But to be fair, if... I mean, let's be honest. Although I do not believe the Federation would allow all those men, women, and children on, on the Romulan homeworld to just burn... I do understand that the Federation has had issues with the Romulans for a long time. Hell, the first episode of the Romulans, Balance of Terror, we reviewed, one of the ship crew members on the bridge of the Enterprise yeah. is a racist against Romulans, never having seen them. And the yeah. moment he knows they look like Vulcans, he gets very racist to, to Spock. Yeah. So it's it's not like... He's like, I bet Spock's a spy for a Romulan. He's like, and Spock's like, I've never even fucking seen a Romulan before. <laughs> I do like the idea that, I mean, there is a truth that the Federation does have a long-standing vein and distrust of Romulans, and if it was revealed that Simon Tarsis' was, uh, grandfather was a Romulan, it's entirely possible. He would looked on, be looked on poorly. Yeah, it's not necessarily, like, he says in that conversation the day he was assigned to the Enterprise was the happiest day of his life. Yeah. And I can imagine he would not likely have gotten that far in his career this early if he had been admittedly partially wrong. I like to think it wouldn't have mattered. But, but it, like, I, I like, there's got there's probably one or two instructors at, the, at um, Starfleet. Starfleet that would have made his tests a little extra hard yeah. and a little extra deep, and that's why he wouldn't have cleared high enough to be picked up by on a pad of recommendations for the Enterprise. Yeah. Um, this is a great example of the difference between an innocent mistake and a villainous act. What he did was not was selfish, and it was a lie, but it was done with the exuberance of youth stupidity that it would not it didn't that it would never come out and frankly it shouldn't have mattered yeah 
uh, versus a villainous act, which is what Jay Don did. Jay Don did everything he did because of his belief in national pride and his desire for personal power. Yeah. All Simon Tarsi's wanted was a chance to prove himself. He just wanted to go in the stars. Yeah, he wanted a chance <laughs> he even to be. says that, and it's so sweet. It's not because he believes he deserved personal power. He didn't want to become chief medical officer. He, did, he literally didn't join. Uh, Starfleet he could have been an officer. Yeah, he didn't join Starfleet proper just because he didn't. His desire was never to be a ship captain. He just, he just wanted to get out there as quick as possible. He wanted to get out there, explore, see the galaxy, and heal people. That's all he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, then he goes back and talks. Picard, after the scene, goes and talks to Admiral Satie again. Yeah. And she's been getting... She tries everything in this conversation to assume control. Yeah. First she says, like, you've got to be insane, Captain. We're, we're not going to back these off. We're going to expand the, in, in, the in interviews. Yeah. Uh, and they'll now take place in full view of the uh, the Admiralty. Yeah. And then Picard says, look, you need to stop this. Picard tries to appeal to her sense of honor, and she goes, I know what I'm doing, basically. Yeah. And then he says, okay, I will fight this. It's wrong. And I will fight it to the uh, the Starfleet Command. She goes, I've been in contact with Starfleet Command the entire time. The you head of Starfleet Security is going to be coming. Yeah, you can't outmaneuver me there, basically, is what her, her reaction is. And he goes, okay. Then And then she goes, you know... Men have no, there are other people who have doubted me. They all paid the price. Basically, she threatens him. Yeah. And then he says, "I won't do go along with this. It's going to stop. You're immoral. This, this is immoral. This is immoral, and it's going to leave. It'll damage us like it's damaged every other group that's ever gone down this path." Yeah. And then immediately after that, um, she also. This is also where she admits she has no friends. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is meant to be. And one of the saddest perform like the saddest lines i've ever heard i was like oh shit man <laughs> uh so after that she walks out and says they will continue and then we get a scene where picard she true to her word she does punish picard she gives she subpoenas him so he has to be basically interrogated in this in front of the entire crew yeah on his own ship yeah. which is okay Betting on Simon Tarsis as the, the the screw up, and when you know fighting that good fight to get that investigation, you continued. can almost see it. Well, what I was gonna say yeah. is that was her first bet. Yeah, and she kind of won that hand. I mean, it turned out Simon Tarsis wasn't guilty, but she managed to convince Picard to let the investigation continue. Yeah. Then the next bet was we're going to continue this in full view of the public. We're going to go ahead and continue. We're going to ramp this up. We're going to get the the paranoia really maneuvering. And that's when she bet and she won that hand because Simon Tarsi's backed out. Even Worf was on their side over this. And now she's bet, she's taken basically on this hand, she's taken the entire pot and bet it. If she can break Picard on that, if she can win the argument like she did against her brothers when she was a kid, then she will have the authority to do basically anything. Because if she can prove Picard is guilty of anything... Anything at all. Then she can, she can sweep maneuver. this she entire can, ship. Yeah, she can basically keep she can keep this this investigation amping up and amping up and amping up to investigate all of Starfleet if she wants. Yeah. Um, I also like this another example of someone that was pulled out of retirement, and yeah. I get the impression it's because they didn't enjoy retirement, like in Auburn Tain. Yeah. Like his desire to his desire to prove himself is still useful ended up getting a boatload of. Obsidian Order and Tal Shiar people killed and basically opened the door for the Dominion. Yeah. Um, and in this case, she's been sitting in her quiet retirement and, you know, either missing the power she used to wield or missing the proof that she could win. Yeah. Um, so. Any number of things. 
This is where we get one of the greatest Picard speeches ever. Yeah. I'm not even going to try to copy it, but it's amazing because yeah. he's entitled to an opening speech. You <laughs> should watch this episode if you ever plan to watch any of Star Trek. This is a great one. Uh, he tries to give, uh, he gives a speech, uh, and he actually has to maneuver to do it because yeah. she just wants to start questioning him. He says, I believe I'm entitled to an opening dictation at the start of my investigation. And basically he does, over the interrogation, and basically his, his entire speech is about trying to convince her to stop this. This yeah. is his last appeal to her as a Starfleet Before officer in the Secret of Justice. Before he kicks her ass by speech. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like his last ditch effort to reach her. Yeah. Then they mention Data's Day, which yeah. is the last episode we covered. Yeah, which it was a coincidence, a happy coincidence. Yeah, they bring up the fact that he couldn't, uh, he's, he failed to get uh, a Romulan spy, that ambassador back. They, they question him about whether or not he is completely, well, he basically gets interrogated there. Yeah. And yeah. they question his honor, and this was just too much for Worf, and he stands yeah. up and says he had no control over that. And then... We were surrounded by Romulans, Yeah, basically. there was nothing we could do. And then uh, the the Betazoid guy basically accuses Worf of being a traitor. He goes, you know, what does it mean that you have a chief of security whose father was a Romulan know, sympathizer? Which, you know, then Worf and Picard share a look because they're like, Worf is like... Worf is ready to throw hands. <laughs> Worf is ready He's to, about to ring some bells here. Yeah, he's about <laughs> ready to pick that Betazoid up and <laughs> slam against the wall like a hammer. And, and, and Picard's like... Don't do it. Or if I got because Picard knows he can out speechify her. Yeah. So he's like, let me do this my way. It's not gonna work if you do it your way. <laughs> yeah. And so he backs down, but you know, good acting to both those men. Yeah. And then we get the famous hand meme. because uh, <laughs> she brings up there's a moment where after that happens, Sati like gives half a look at Worf and then continues. And I like the idea that she realizes She's losing the crew. Because she just Worf lost the, her most powerful piece on the crew. Yeah, the most loyal member of the crew to her was Worf. Mm-hmm. And he just stood up for Picard, which means she's losing her position. So she brings out the big gun. She points out uh, Wolf 359, where apparently 39 Starfleet ships were destroyed and 11,000 people were lost. And she basically lays that all at the feet of Picard. Like, are you over your time spent with the board, Picard? <laughs> it's like, uh, and by the way, that's 39 Federation ships. And a lot of the extension uh, information, it's, they say there was 10 Romulan, uh, I'm sorry, 10 Klingon warbirds that were happened to be in the area joining that battle. And I think four Romulan warbirds or warships were also in that fight. Like, they, it wasn't just Federation, but they all got their asses handed to them. <laughs> like, without even breaking stride. There's actually way more ships than that, but, I yeah. mean... Well, according to this, 39 ships were destroyed. Yeah. I don't know how many more were damaged. Yeah. Um, but, and remember, we see in the opening episode, which we also reviewed, of DS9... Yeah. ...that you actually get to see several crew members made it off before their ships were destroyed. Yeah. So that 11,000 is just the crew members that didn't. That's, that's a lot of people. That's a hell of a And lot she of basically, uh, she basically blames the victim. She goes, you know, Picard... You, you must... are violated, Picard. You must feel guilty about all the people you kill. Yeah, all the people that got killed because of your tactical abilities while you were violated, like, down to the cell. <laughs> well, I can't imagine how you must feel. Like, okay. And I... we're like, oh, bitch, please. Yeah. <laughs> so then he does the hand meme where he puts his head down. And I, I hate that hand meme because even though it's a great move, it 
really misleads a lot of people to draw conclusions about Picard that are not true. Yeah. <laughs> He's not just the angry dad character that's always, like, rolling his eyes at his crew. There's more to him than that. He's still the dad character. He is, but he's more of a guide than he's he is. He's a distant dad. He's, he's more of a guide and a supporter than he is a, a disapproving father. Oh, in yeah. Cases. No, that's, that's Cisco. That hand meme that's does. Cisco. That's the dad dad. Yeah. I'm just saying that hand meme sounds yeah. like he's like the dad that's always going, God, the fucking No, kids. he's just doing it with <laughs> this bitch who's like, I'm going to use your trauma to fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> So Picard knows the right button to push because earlier Satie let her guard down when she told him at the start how much her father meant to her. So he quotes her to he quotes to her face the quote her about her father. father. Now, uh, I want to clarify the quote that is something along the lines of the first speech censured, the first right taken damages us all. Something Once the almost. first link a link is forged, mm -hmm. we're all chained. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a great speech, but a lot of assholes have tried to use it as an excuse to say that cancel culture is evil or something like that. And first of all, there's no such thing as cancel culture. Most people that get taken, try to get taken down by social media end up more powerful. Yeah. But even if it was, the, what he's talking about is the government passing laws like what... Like, Satie is, a, is not just a person in this case. She is a representative of the, of the standing government, standing yeah. military and government of the Federation. And she is misusing her power yeah. to basically oppress people that she doesn't like. Yeah. That's why Picard is sitting there. He wouldn't be sitting there, even though all the facts she brings up would have been exactly the same, he would not be sitting there if he was one of her toting boys. No. If she he had just gone along with all this, he'd have been fine. Yeah. It's because he questioned her that he is there. That he saw that some of her moves were questionable. Fascist. Let's just yeah. be fair. Fascist. Yeah. Yeah. And as a result, um, that's why he's sitting there being interrogated. Yeah. She's punishing him for not agreeing to her way of doing things. For not and, bending to her will. And that's when it becomes... Not allowing their partnership to be more lopsided in her favor. Yeah. And that's when... Good point. That's yeah. when it's across... That's when that quote comes into account. Is when people in positions of power... Yeah. And people who are... And people who represent the government start dictating what is or is not acceptable without any context or yeah. any facts to back it up. That's what that quote's supposed to be about. It isn't about the fact that you can't that white people can't say it's the like, N-word anymore. Well, <laughs> or, or that they ever should have to begin with. How, how <laughs> come you can't protect this propaganda? What the uh, hell? Yeah. <laughs> It's not because, you know, you can't, it, it's not because you can't call your wife a bitch in full view of the public and, you know, nag her without people going, yeah, that's kind of bullshit, dude. You should stop it. It's like, not that's, freedom of consequences. Yeah, it's it not hard. what that is. Um, so, um, she, she basically breaks down, like, full mental breakdown where yeah. she starts saying, you follow my father's words when you put them in your mouth. Because I'm taking out bigger You're than you. You're disloyal and... Yeah. All, all the worst things she could think of. Because she's lost. She she lost. I think she knows she lost, but yeah. she doesn't willing to admit it. No. She's again doubling down even more. While she's in the middle of her big yelling breakdown, the admiral guy who doesn't say a damn word in this whole thing. No, he just watches. Admiral the, the, uh, Henry was that his name? Admiral Henry. Yeah. And he gets up and just walks out. Yeah. And then uh, the Betazoid guy says, perhaps we should call a short recess. And then until everybody, tomorrow. Until tomorrow. And then everybody walks out except for Satie, who just sits there alone. Yeah. Because she has no friends. 
And <laughs> what a fucking loser. She, ha- she has people that are, even her assistants are not her friends. They're yeah. just people that share her, her xenophobia. <laughs> yeah, her, her phobias and her desire for power and recognize she's the best person to get them that. Yeah. They aren't friends. No. They wouldn't take a bullet for her. No. Um, so Admiral Henry is a good admiral, I guess. Doesn't say a word, but just walks out a good guy. I mean, that makes him the second best admiral we've seen in the show. Yeah. In <laughs> after, the... after the one in Discovery. Yeah. Well, at least he doesn't say uh, to uh, to anybody the sheer fucking hubris. Why <laughs> <laughs> you gotta bring that shit in there? <laughs> Delete that. <laughs> Uh, so then there's a discussion at the end uh, involving uh, Worf, where he basically goes to Picard. And it reminds me a bit of the scene between Data and Riker at the yeah. end of uh, Measure of a Man. Yeah. Where Riker is basically apologizing to Data for having done what he was ordered to do, which is to prove Data doesn't exist. And Data just says, no, it's I not on you. you. Well, not even that I forgive yeah. you. He's like, you took an action that saved me but hurt you. Yeah. I won't forget it. I'm grateful. Yeah. And then, uh, in this case, Worf goes, I helped her. I didn't see what she was. And Picard goes, a person who cloaks themselves in good deeds is well hidden, Mr. Worf. And then he goes through, you know... Mustache twirling villains are much easier to spot. Yeah, the the argument that he makes is that, you know, you think we're so far past this, you know, witch witch burning trials and, and drownings and stuff like that. But all it takes is just the right... Level of fear. And there's always going to be somebody like that. There's always going to be somebody who's going to be grabbing that fear and using it for their own ends. Whatever those ends might be. And they'll convince themselves while they're doing it it's for the betterment of everyone around them. Even though it's mainly just for their own betterment. Um, and uh, the, he goes, constant vigilance, Mr. Worf. It's all we can do. That's the price. And he's right. And I like that it takes that quote from Jefferson. Constant vigilance is the price of liberty. Yeah. And makes it clear the vigilance isn't just against your enemies. Like at the start of the episode when they were investigating a guy that was stealing their secrets and selling them to the Romulans. Yeah. The vigilance is also against yourself. Yeah. You have to question, whenever you're going to take a step, like investigating Simon Tarsis, like holding interviews into those people, you have to ask yourself, not just once, but a dozen times if this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And if it is, there's evidence to support it and a reason that it might be in danger, then you take that next step. But only that next step. You yeah. don't use that as an excuse to run to the no. next to You don't three grab miles it like out. a football and tackle the wall. Yeah, and, and run for the end zone. You take another step and then you ask yourself again a dozen times, is the next step necessary? Is it warranted? Is there evidence to support that I should do this? Okay, then we'll take that step. And even then... You should have a tether, a line you don't cross. That you know, you only a few steps you can take before you get pulled back because yeah. you're you're still taking risks. Yeah. And I like that. It, it recontextualizes that quote, in yeah. my opinion. That <clears throat> constant vigilance is the price of freedom, not just constant vigilance for enemies, but for yourselves. And that's the price. And it is, unfortunately, I agree with Picard. It is the only thing you can do. There is no definitive. Self-regulate. Yeah, there is no definitive line you can just draw in the sand for any situation. No. You have to be sure that where you're stepping is solid ground whenever you take those steps, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the end, uh, the credits rolled and we both said, fuck Rick Berman. <laughs> oh, yeah, I gave it the middle finger. Because <laughs> Rick Berman's a dickhole. 
No, the fact that New Trek is not it is not good does not retroactively make Rick Berman the greatest thing that ever happened to Star Trek. I will admit a lot of great stuff happened in Star Trek under his his banner. That doesn't make him a good person, and it doesn't mean I should thank him for it. it means, and a lot of bad shit happened because of him. Especially behind the scenes. Yeah. And, well, if you want to say on screen, the blandness of Voyager, but given what happened behind the screens, I'd, I'd say Voyager's blandness is the least of his crimes. Hmm. Um... Yeah, fuck him, and don't give him any more power in Star Trek. They've taken a good step with Starship Discovery Season 3, mm. and neither Alex Kurtzman, who I think is just completely incapable of handling Star Trek, nor Rick Berman, who shouldn't handle Star Trek, had anything to do with it as far as I'm aware. No. So just stick with whoever did that. Yeah. We both like Season 3 of Discovery. Uh, that's it for this week. Is there anything I didn't mention in this episode that you would like to bring up, Megan? I did like that... There was a, the, the the with Simon they the subtle hints for his um, genetic history is that he has the pointy ears but they're not obvious they're only slightly pointed yeah there that's a nice I, touch I liked and yeah it was a nice touch and I think it was this season was it this season or the season before yeah the season before where they changed the uniforms to the current ones that I still like mm -hmm. so um, I do enjoy that did we do did we get a, a Picard maneuver in this episode I don't remember no I don't think so the Picard maneuver for anybody who doesn't know is when Picard sits down it's around this time when they got the new uniforms yeah. when he sits down he pulls the uniform down straight so I mean the, the... he might have in his office but I wasn't really paying attention to that because I was just Trying. I have a new work schedule where I'm I'm up at four in the morning, so I'm like barely awake right now. <laughs> yeah, but we don't have to be in tomorrow, so we're good. Yeah. Um, Michael Dorn has said this and the Offspring, which is the one where Data makes lull, yeah. is his two favorite episodes of Star Trek. Ah, uh, so he's got good taste. <laughs> yeah, and this episode is a bottle show, which goes to show you that bottle shows can make a boatload of, of greatness. Bottle shows is when they use just pre-existing sets. They yeah. don't make any, anything new. Yeah, yeah, and, they didn't go to any planets. There wasn't some weird like, I mean, technically Klingons are an alien, but there wasn't like some weird alien interference from an alien they never met before. There wasn't some... Yeah, the, the, the danger of the week in this episode is just paranoia. Yeah. Um... Also, uh, I will say this, um, the bottle show in question actually came a quarter million dollars under budget, yeah. so this was a good week for Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Not only did he make one of the best episodes of Star Trek, he came under budget by a quarter million bucks. I mean, I think he did the same thing with, um, what, I think he came under budget on one of his, other, one of the movies. Well, he only directed two and three. I think it was... Of the Next Generation stuff. It might have been first contact. I don't know. I might have been just hearing things. I might have been thinking about this episode. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Um, uh, great episode. Love this one. Um, glad you picked it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try well, to Well, we were talking about it, and I knew it was going to pop out eventually, so I figured we just might as well do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, call it for tonight. Yes. We're going to try to get rock starring done this week, too, because this is actually like the third Star Trek review we've done in a, in a row Second. posting. No, third. Because oh. the last thing we posted before we took our Christmas break was a Star Trek episode. Yeah. And then we did one Star Trek episode a couple weeks ago, yeah. which I only posted a couple days ago. And then we're doing this one tonight. So yeah. if I post this one first, it'll be three Star Trek episodes in a row. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but that's fine. We're going to try to get that done tomorrow mm -hmm. amidst all this craziness. If not... 
you still get a Star Trek episode, not that we're having any listeners. Yeah. In the meantime, this is Eric. And this is Megan. And uh, constant vigilance, people. Constant vigilance. Have a good night. Good night. Bye.